Well, how many days do we have left? Is it 11? Is it 12? 10? Have you feel, do you feel like it's Christmas? By the way, I, I went to Florida this week, and it was colder in Florida than it was in Houston. And that was, I don't know, I just felt like that was God's answering my uh, prayer of, uh, of leading and guiding us out of the cold lands of Florida here uh, to Houston. But hopefully you're soaking up this season, and uh, you know, this, this Christmas time is all about, and Advent is all about anticipation. And as kids, we remember those gifts that like, if I could just get this for Christmas. When I was a kid, that was, when I was about eight years old, it was an Atari. I know you don't know what that is in this row. An Atari was the greatest invention of all time. Uh, Pitfall, remember that? That was some serious technology there. Um, and a Pong, was Pong on there as well? Uh, but I woke up on Christmas morning and what did I find? Did I find an Atari like all the other kids had? No. A Commodore 64. Like the cheap uh, wannabe version. You know what I'm talking about? There were like two people in America that had one and I was one of them. Um, so disappointed, so disappointed, I hoped beyond hope. But the beauty of the hope that we have in Advent and this expecting is that like Romans 5, 5 tells us, the hope that we put in God is not one that disappoints. And our hope this holiday season is that, is that you've been leaning in to God's word, that you've been leaning into God and, and the devotionals have been great. They've been sent out via Facebook and email, and if, if you want to get caught up on those, go to our, our Facebook page. We also have an iBook that just, I mean, some of the art that you see out here, uh, it, it's amazing. So you can check that out in your, in your worship folder and find out how you can, can see it. And I, I actually have my first iBook, uh, the season of hope that we have uh, for HFC. So hopefully you've been leaning into God's word this season. It's been a special time for you. She was traveling on a path. Uh, we don't know exactly uh, how long that path was. Some say about 80 to 100 miles. Don't know if she was on, on foot or on a donkey, but most likely she was walking. And when you walk, something happens. Have you ever walked on the beach? I did this week, it's, it's amazing. Where it's just nothing but the sounds of life and it's quiet, almost too quiet. You suddenly hear things inside of you that we try to, you know, push down with a lot of noise in our life, a lot of visuals and things that are everywhere. But when we're quiet, we can hear a lot more. We can hear maybe even questions that we have, things that we have on our, on our heart and our minds, things that God wants to tell us. And she's walking, and there's a lot of questions for this young girl because she's just recently had a visitor. You know the story. It's in Luke chapter 1, if you've got a Bible with you. She's had a visitor, and, and, and here's the story. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 is where we'll start. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, a very friendly angel. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid, Mary. 
You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. A very legitimate question. Since I am a virgin... We don't need to go back to any classes in high school to understand why she would be asking this question. But it's a good question. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So Mary has this visitor, this angel that comes down and gives her this word that you're going to have a son. It's going to be the son of God. That would be shocking news, I believe, to any of us. And for her, what does she do? She immediately leaves. And the Bible tells us that she went to go to this hillside of of Judea. We think it's about 80 miles there traveling by foot, can you imagine the questions that she had? What's next? Is this even real? Have you, have you had one of those moments that are uh, just kind of surreal? You have to pinch yourself? I've gone through a couple of those recently, watching a wedding of someone, a student that uh, was in our youth group way back when, and then and a funeral. But we have these moments that are just so surreal. Did that just really happen? Maybe you're asking the questions uh, she was asking, like, Why? why me? Why now? What's next? I mean, what's Joseph's response going to be? The guy that I'm supposed to be marrying, is he going to be mad? Like, he can't possibly buy this store. I was the only one that saw the angel that came. What's going to happen? I can't imagine the doubt and the fear and, and the question marks along the way. And I think that we all have questions. There's a great article this week and Relevant Magazine, uh, relevantmagazine.com is a great resource. If you're online a lot, you can, you can page through those with a lot of cool things and, and conversations. But the, the, the title that caught my, my eye was this, Seven Spiritual Leaders That Had Doubts. And they, they talked about people like C.S. Lewis and Mother Teresa and Pope Francis. And uh, Pope Francis is our current, the current uh, pope, and uh, this is what he said. Among us, everybody, everybody, has, who has not experienced insecurity, loss, and even doubts on their journey of faith. Everyone, we all have experienced this. Me too. It is part of the journey of faith. It's part of our lives. This should not surprise us because we are all human beings marked by uh, fragility and limitations. We are all weak. We all have limits. Do not panic. We all have them. If one has the answers to all the questions, that is the proof that God is not with him. It means that he is a false prophet using religion for himself. The great leaders of the people of God, like Moses, have always left room for doubt. You must leave room for the Lord, not for certainties. We must be humble. Wow. So if you have questions today, you're amongst friends, okay? Can we all just agree there that there's been times we've just gone, I don't get it, God. I don't understand. Why? Why is this 
happening. Even remember John, our hairy friend from the wilderness last week with the leather belt around his waist. Jesus comes to the wilderness where he's hanging out and he's baptizing people. And Jesus goes up to John and says, well, you need to baptize me. What's John's question or what is his reaction is this. Uh, I don't think that you've got it right, Jesus. Uh, I think you're the one that should be baptizing me. And I don't know if you've ever had those kind of conversations before. God, you've got it wrong. This is the way that it should be in life. Even John the Baptist, he had those questions as well. We see those throughout faith. And we certainly have those questions when we go through the storms of our lives. Those periods of time where it just feels like the world is crashing in on us. And some of you might be going through those times right now. Places of, of devastation that just feels like, this is so surreal. This, is this really happening? Did I really just hear those words? Did they really just say that? This, this can't possibly be true. And let me tell you right now, if you're not in a storm of life right now, we're happy for you, but storms will come. They eventually do. They always do. And, and what are we, what are we like when those things happen? The other reality of this season is, is that some of you may be going through storms. The other reality is this, is that there's going to be a time of gathering this holiday season, and there's going to be a chair that is left empty this holiday. There's something about Christmas that magnifies uh, the joy, but also magnifies the loss as well. You know, I don't, have to be, I don't think you have to be Sherlock Holmes here in this story of, of Mary to understand that, and by the way, I love that series. Anybody watching that, Sherlock, on BBC? It's a good one. Just suggestion. Random thought that's just jumped into my mind there. But, but Sherlock, what does he do? He, he deducts, he reasons. And, and so I don't, if you're looking at the story of Mary, why did she go and visit Elizabeth? Why did she go for probably four or five days walk to go and see her? Why? The angel said, well, she, she's pregnant. She's six months pregnant. You know, I, I'm going to guess this. She heard, she experienced, but she needed confirmation. She needed to know. Like, I, I heard you, and I understand that. I, I'm kind of pinching myself. I'm not sure if this is real. And she, what does she do? She goes, and she's on this journey to see for herself, uh, is this, this real? The experience of, of loss and, and pain and, and just kind of that, that middle of the question marks. A couple of, uh, of, of, of months back, or actually it's been years now, uh, I shared a story with you about, about a, uh, a family, the Pepleys, uh, Alyssa and Matt. I don't know if you remember this, but there's a story of, of a family that they were getting ready uh, to have a child. And about halfway through the pregnancy, about 20 weeks, they found out that there was a serious, serious heart defect and the, the likelihood of survival was very, very slim. And basically, the doctor said, you should look and think about alternative uh, methods or things to do. And we can all figure out what we're, we're talking about there. But no, they said, we feel like God is, is leading us to, to continue on. In the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the questions, they continued. And they, they had uh, baby Anna. And uh, the Lord blessed them with 10 days. I can't imagine. And, and, and maybe you've experienced that kind of pain and those kind of questions. Can't imagine. And so 
the questions of life, they swirl, and sometimes in the midst of the storms of life, we have them. But I believe, I believe that Mary traveled. She was traveling because she heard words, but she needed to know and be reminded that they were right and they were true. What were the words that the angel said to, to Mary? First thing, the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. There's something else that the angel said. The word of God will not fail. The word of God will not fail. It is true. It is true. Psalms 1, Psalm 16, 5, 11 says this. Let's take a look at it together. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have delighted a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also rests secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Can I give you some good news today? In the midst of whatever you're going through right now, God is with you. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. And that's the greatest gift of what this Christmas season is all about. Went to a wedding, and you've been to these kind of weddings before where it's just so much planning that goes into the wedding. Year and a half of planning and planning and planning and planning. And it was a beautiful wedding. What I fear is that a lot of what I see today, and, and I'm not saying this is with this couple I went to this weekend, but with a lot of weddings, that people plan for a wedding but they kind of miss the whole point. They should be planning for a marriage. And I wonder if we miss the point sometimes of Christmas. We anticipate, we plan, we, we do all this stuff. But the, the beauty of the gift of Christmas is that God is with us. He came to us. He is with us in the flesh. That he isn't just someone that sits up in a holy place on top of this glass mountain and just looks down below. He came and he was one of us and he was born in a manger. And that is the ultimate gift that he is with us. And, and, and what does the psalm say? And here is the good news, that he is with us and that we should, in the midst of whatever we're going through, we should keep our eyes always on the Lord. Fix our eyes on the Lord. That's the good news of today. If you fix your eyes on the Lord, God will be faithful. He will do great things. I, I, I know it's, it's difficult because we often face some major, major storms. We think about it uh, with the disciples. They're in this huge storm in Luke chapter 8. And in the midst of the wind and the waves, there's Jesus in a, in a boat with them. And we, it's easy, even with Jesus in the boat with us, to forget that he's, he's there. It's easy to forget when we look around and see the things that are, are, are painful and things that hurt. But what God is calling us to do is to fix our eyes on him in every situation that we have. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says this. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked for us. Fixing our eyes, that sounds very Southern, doesn't it? Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Don't lose heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus, no matter what you face. Because he's the one that can give us comfort. He is the one that has been through difficult situations. The Bible says in Isaiah 53 that he is a man of sorrow that is familiar with pain. He's familiar with suffering. We don't have a high priest that's unable to sympathize with us. He's able to experience the same things that we have. So in the middle of that, we should fix our eyes on him. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 19 says this. And this is great advice as we seek God's will. Have you ever asked that question in life? In the midst of the question marks, God, what are you doing? What's your will? What do you want me to do? That's, that's a huge question for each of us. So how do we find out and what, do we, what is God's will for you? I can tell you it's three easy things and it tells us in First Thessalonians. You can ask this anytime in your life. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you if someone were to ask me what what should I do what's God's will for my life rejoice always pray continually give thanks in all circumstances we'll take these uh, just one at a time here pray continually pray continually now I know this is a difficult thought to jump into your mind here because for most of us we think a lot of us we think of prayer is that that moment that's beside your bed at night where you you get on your hands and your knees and you 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 pull your hands together and you close your eyes because if real prayer, you have to close your eyes the entire time or it doesn't count. You have to start over. Um, and for, for a long time, that was me. I, I felt like that was the way that you had to pray. And what would happen for me, confessionally, I would fall asleep 90% of the time, which totally, you, that doesn't count if you fall asleep and you pray. And drool and that whole scene, you wake up and it's not a proud moment. And that, folks, I, I hope you know that I'm kidding course that counts that's that's prayer and, and if that's the way you pray that's fantastic but God doesn't want to just limit us and our time with him to that moment okay prayer continually throughout your day a conversation that happens I went to this wedding uh and uh something happens when you go to a wedding and you, you see people that you should know these are people from from about six years ago that when we lived in Florida and you're like you had that moment where you're like, I know, I know, I know, I know their name. I wish we had name tags of this thing, and uh, you don't. And you're trying to like scan through your Facebook files in your, your head, and you're hoping someone will come by and say their name. And you're, it suddenly it hit me one situation. I was like, okay, I see it written out, and I started to say it. And it Andra, Andra. And I, it was that bad. I, I, I shouldn't have started, and I was just, and, Andrea, it was Andrea, and uh, I just couldn't get the, it was terribly awkward, terribly awkward, as awkward as this last few seconds has been. Um, but for some of us, when we talk to God, it's, it's just that awkward, because we haven't seen each other. We haven't hung out. We haven't spent time together. God wants this. You know, friends, the kind of the opposite of the spectrum. You don't have to. You don't have to struggle. It's just so easy to just to sit down. You can just be yourself. It just the, your guard comes down. It's just like, hey, this is me. I'm. I, this is who I am. God wants that kind of relationship with us. That that constant conversation, and it just kind of like the, the conversation doesn't have to stop. I know we we have to say amen, but uh, but do we? We don't have to like close it. We can just keep it going. 
I kind of feel like that's what God wants throughout your day. We wake up and we're spending time with him. God, I'm scared to death. I've got this coming up today. You know about it, but I'm just... I love, we were in, in men's uh, group on, on Wednesday, and, and, a, and a friend led prayer, and he's just like, God, thank you. I, I'm just going to use the words that I usually use when I pray out loud. And it just was that moment of, we can just be ourselves. And God wants us to have that conversation with him in our, in our joy, rejoicing in the good things, and in those moments that we just feel like, like it says in Romans, I don't know what to pray have you had those moments? In Romans 8, 26 and 27, it says, God, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know what to say here. i just just groaning because I've been there. I've been there on the nights where a little girl, a little toddler girl, accidentally with a door open, walked into a swimming pool in the backyard, and a family is just devastated. What do you say in those moments? I tell you, I didn't know what to say. Just said, God, you hear us. You know us. You hear our, you hear our, 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 our hearts tonight. We, can't, we don't even know what to pray, God. And so what the word tells us is that the spirit intercedes for us and he prays for us and he prays that the Lord's will be done. And those are those moments that maybe you're in right now where you're saying, God, I don't, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what the right thing is here. I need your wisdom. I need your grace. I need your love. I need your help along the way. I don't know if that was, was Mary's prayer that night, but I know that, that God wants us to continually recognize his presence. And that's what, when we pray without, without uh, stopping, it's just that continual recognizing who he is and that we give thanks to him no matter what we face. When we give thanks, the result is joy in our lives, even in the worst circumstances of life. Paul and Silas, I love that story in Acts 16. Read it when you get home this afternoon. They help a young girl. She's demon-possessed in, in Acts 16. Do you remember the story? She's demon-possessed. They, they, they exercise this demon. I went Jim Carrey voice there. Ex, you, know, you knew what I was talking about there, didn't you? But they exercise this demon of this little girl. And, and the person that she was working for because she could tell the future was mad because now this girl couldn't tell the future. And so what do they do? They, they, they have the, the authorities come and, and arrest Paul and Silas, and they, they strip them, they beat them. The question that I would be having if we're asking questions today is, hey, I did the right thing, God, and I'm the one that's getting beaten and stripped, and now I'm in, in jail, and they're in this dungeon, and they're shackled up, and what happens? Suddenly in the silence, in the darkness of just the worst possible moments of life, you hear singing from a dungeon, you, have, you hear people praising God in the midst of the hard, difficult times of life, and what happens? God shows up. God shows up. He does that. I have a friend that heard the worst possible news that you can possibly hear recently. He heard the words incurable, incurable cancer. And what does he write? Life's roads has a lot of turns in it. One thing we're sure is that God is in control and he does all things. He does all things well. This I know. 
The only really important thing in life is this, involve our relationships with one another in him. I value each of you as friends and the privilege to have you in my life. Our trust is in the name of the Lord. He walks with us every step of the way. God is good. When we worship in the good times, people listen. But when we worship in the worst moments of our lives, people believe. People believe you because it's easy to fake it any other times. But you know it's authentic and it's real in the dungeons. When we've been stripped, we've been beaten. And why does that happen? Because we live in a broken world. We live in a messed up world. But when we worship in those times, people believe. And what happened for Paul and Silas? They sing, earthquake happens, the doors come open, God shows up. The jailer is about to kill himself because he knows he's in trouble. Stop, we're all still here. We're all still in our our jail cells and the guy gives his life to the Lord. God shows up because people are, are listening. People are listening when we worship. And that's what God's called us to do, to sing his praises. And we could do that because he is with us. He is with us. I have good news for you today, that God is Emmanuel. He is with us. And the good news is that although this world is full of dark places, this world is full of tons of questions and a lot of pain and a lot of struggle. And if you're not experiencing it now, there will be a day that you will be. But we have a God that is making all things new. He is restoring this world, and eventually, I know that we don't talk about this a lot, eventually there is a place that we will be going to that is a new heaven and a new earth. Revelations 21 through 1 through 5 tells us this. For the first heaven and the first earth have passed away, and there was no longer any sea, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for a husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, God himself living amongst us, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. Because some of us cry. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Amen. He who has seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. The ending of the story for those who put their faith in God, he replaces our tears with joy. He replaces our tears with joy. I told you the story about, I just reminded you about the Pepleys, Anna and Matt. Uh, they just had the three-year uh, birthday for, for this little girl, Anna. I'd show you the video of them singing happy birthday to her, but I don't think we can handle it this morning. I can't handle it this morning. But let me tell you what she, uh, let me share with what she wrote uh, on her, on her uh, I think it was her Facebook page. I don't know if we can, we can see that, but uh, I'll try to read it for you. It says this, so blessed with Evans, by the way, they had another baby, little Evan. 
even though the doctor said, said that it wasn't probable. So blessed with Evan's arrival, but often reminded that someone else is missing. We named her Anna Joy because we believed God would bring us joy through her life no matter what the outcome. I'm starting to call her Anna Joy again because the joy has begun to grow in me again. For a while, I could only say Anna. Now it's like I'm privileged to say her middle name too. Thank God for his faithfulness and hope. Still aching to see her again. Psalms 126, 5 through 6. Those who sow with tears will reap songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. I'm going to ask David to come up. This morning, uh, we've, we've talked about a God that is with us. And we rejoice that we do not have to go through these things alone. That he is with us. He was with Mary. And the promise that he made her that God's word would not come back void. That it would not uh, be wrong. It's the promise that he makes in this. Psalms 126 says this, The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are, what's the word? Glad. I'll never forget Beth Moore, the great Beth Moore, who is an amazing teacher. She said this, you go and you talk to someone, you have a conversation, and they ask, well, how are you doing? If you say, well, I'm good, well, the conversation ends there. It's like, okay, good, we're all good, fantastic. But if you were to say this, well, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm glad. Immediately, glad invokes a, hmm, why are you glad? Why are you glad? Why are we glad today? The Lord has done great things for us. The Lord has done great things for us. And as we celebrate his presence, that he is with us in good times and in bad, he is present with us. I have to tell you, I am glad today. I'm glad because we don't have to do it alone. I'm glad that he is present. I am glad that this world is not our home. I'm glad that we have a community of believers that can live life together, that we can cry together, that we can laugh together, we can pick each other up when we need it, we can forgive each other, we can look past each other's faults. We can be a people of grace and love in a community. I am glad that I'm a part of a, a group of people that love others and love others well. That will go out in the community and share the hope that is not like the hope in this world that will disappoint, but is a hope that will last for eternity. I am glad that we have a place tears turn to joy where songs of sorrow turns in, turn into songs of praise and we have a place one day we, all of that will take place where Jesus one day will call us home and I don't know if that day is today and I don't know if that day is tomorrow but I know without a shadow of a doubt that it will happen right now we're, I want to pray and uh, today I just 
we're going to sing a song, a song that you know. It's a Christmas song, Silent Night. There's something about this song that when I think about, just think back to the beach. Think back to the shepherds and the quietness, the beauty of the moments where you just begin to realize as we look at candles and light that God is present, that he is here and he is with you today. As you close your, your eyes and bow your heads, can I, just, can I just encourage you today, whatever you're going through right now, whatever questions you have, whatever things that are going on in your heart and your mind and your family, God is near to you today. And you may feel like that you are so far away, but he is so close. You just need to call on, on his name today. Include him. Pray to him. Praise him. Thank him. Begin to see what he is doing and, and, and at work in your life. God, Lord, we thank you for, for who you are, Lord. God, we thank you that you're Emmanuel. We thank you that you're present. Quite frankly, God, there are times that we need your strength, Lord, because we are weak. We thank you that you are a God that is unshakable, that, that holds us up. Lord, thank you that you are, are present with us in the, the harsh realities of life. God, thank you that you give us joy where it seems like we should have sorrow. God, I pray that you would restore our hope. Lord, God, help us to be a people of hope. That as we heard in that first psalm, Lord, that, that people will ask, the Lord has done great things for them. Why? How? What, uh, why are they different? They begin to, to see and notice things in us as we sing and worship in this world that is not our home. God, I pray that in the next few days, God, that we would recognize your presence, that we would celebrate it with our families, with our friends, and in the midst of the chaos, that you would bring joy and peace in all these things. God, we sing this as a, just a remembrance of you and a, just a, an act of worship today. We pray these things in your name. Amen.